Welcome to part three of the Be Your Own Boss series. It's time for you to learn about the year of process on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by ClickFunnels. If you've seen one of my sales pages, you have seen ClickFunnels in action. Grow your business at servemaster.com front slash ClickFunnels today. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author, Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. I've been building and building towards this episode. I'm excited. I'm really excited about this mini-series because we all want to be our own boss. That's why we're here. We're really into entrepreneurship. We want to do more than just make money online. We want to get to that mindset of, I'm in control of my financial destiny. The reason I built my own company was that when I got fired in February of 2010 during a blizzard, I said to myself, I never want someone to be able to do this to me again or make me feel this way again. They fired me for something I hadn't actually done and I chose not to fight. I said, you know what? I don't want to be here. Why would you want to work for someone who wants to fire you? Can you imagine fighting that? No, thanks. This year, my focus as being a boss is 100% on process. It's about improving our processes, codifying our processes, and organizing our processes to get them better and better and better. I read this amazing book someone recommended to me about a year and a half ago called The Checklist Manifesto. It's by this doctor who really studied as part of a medical experiment how they can decrease preventable deaths in hospitals, especially from surgery. And so they would create checklists that were really short, and they kept trying different ways because there's this mindset this book is really, really good. Talk about the mindset of the surgeon as a virtuoso. The surgeon should know and remember every single step. Does that sound familiar? It should sound like how I talked about myself last week. That you go, I have a six, nine step process. I'm not going to write it down because I'll remember it all. And what they've discovered is that they would decrease infection rates by 90 to 100% with a five step checklist. All these little mistakes that would slip through the cracks because there's a hundred things happening at once. There's three surgeons. There's the anesthesiologist, the main surgeon, the assistant surgeon, multiple nurses in the room and surgical assistants. And there's so many things happening. Of course, things can slip through the cracks. It's very hard because of the surgical culture. Sorry if you guys can hear my neighbors. They're uncontrollable. It's very hard if you come from this in the surgical culture because it comes from the idea of doctors are infallible. So it's very hard for a nurse to say, doctor, you missed a step. It's unfortunate, but it's true. The inability for that communication step to happen has led to far more deaths than it should have. It's really scary. So we need to have really good processes. And that book really motivated me. I said, oh, if surgeons need processes, maybe me, someone who writes books, should probably have some process in place too. And I'll be honest with you, I absolutely positively hate project management software. I have tried multiple times throughout my career. But it's so unnatural to me because I'm a creative type. I like making money, but I don't like remembering how I did it. So it's really, really outside my comfort zone. And I've tried multiple times over my career. But what I want you to know is that I'm talking about process because this is something that if I could go back and start over, this is something I wish I'd done right from the beginning. Many of the lessons I'm teaching are things that I'm doing now that I should have done five, eight, ten years ago. And I'd be making so much more money. I'd be so much more successful. Every single time I improve a process or get better at my project management software, I make more money. Every single time. And I want to maximize your revenue by teaching you the smartest things you could do from the beginning. Now, I've tried a lot of different platforms. I've tried Asana, Rike, Trello, Zoho, and ClickUp. And let me take you through my experiences. The first thing you want to look for is a project management software that your brain likes. What a crazy way to say that. I apologize, but that's exactly how I approach it. The first software I really liked was Rike. And I tried that a few times. What I liked about it was that it had a cool view where you could forecast how long a project would take. And so you'd see due dates for each different part of the project. I put multiple projects in Rike. I've actually worked 
with several iterations of my team in the middle of my career, we tried Rike three or four times, and I never got it to work right. I never really ran an entire project successfully using Rike. Just didn't work for me. I've tried. I've used Asana when I'm working with other people's teams, where they go, "Oh, you're, we're bringing you in on this project. We use Asana." I use it a little bit. It just doesn't match the way I think. It's not that there's something wrong with it. When you're making a decision making about which software you're going to use, what you really want to look at is number one: is it scalable? Which means you might want to use something completely different. That's a one-person project management tool. That's a time tracker or a time management tool where you can put in your tasks, and it's really designed for a single person to use because those are priced much more generously. Many project management tools, in fact, most of them charge you per person, and they're great for a one-person operation. But as you grow, it gets really prohibitively expensive, and so you can get really trapped into a system that you suddenly realize was a poor decision. That's why I kind of talked about logical decisions in the previous episode. When we got really serious about project management and had our biggest success as a team was when we started using Trello. My team used Trello for about 14 months. What I liked about Trello was that you could see a little card moving from left to right. This is called a Kanban board. I did not know that at the time, but I learned, I've learned more since then. And you can add tasks to a card. So I, basically what I had, they have a cool add-on called Butler. It's a plugin that Trello eventually bought. And when a card moves to a new column, it gets assigned to a new person and a new checklist gets added to the card. And I was like, this I like. I like that. That feature was really, really cool. And we reached a point where when my team hit about 10 people, that it started becoming too unwieldy. We had too many boards. It's very hard for how we operate because sometimes a person has to be on six or seven different boards. And so we started to see limitations and I started to see if the team keeps growing, it becomes cost prohibitive. We can use software that's more powerful, that has a higher base rate, but a lower expansion rate. So if a piece of software has a minimum of 10 users, right? If I only have a five-person team, it's not a logical use, but now we're in that zone. So it's changed a little bit and we switched to ClickUp. Now, ClickUp puts out updates every few days. They're constantly updating their software. They're trying to make it better and better. Um, there's some good and bad about it, like everything. They don't have that automatically add a checklist as a thing as you move across a column. But we just train our team when you move a card, add that checklist. And they're going to add that automation feature. We have spoken to the support team. Hopefully, they'll add it soon. But I, know, I do know it's on their additions board. But the reasons we switched to ClickUp was that it's more affordable as we scale. It's a better pricing model for our team at our, at our currently size and budget. And it's a lot more powerful. It has different types of views. There's a lady on my team who's in charge of SEO, and she uses this really crazy linear view. Every time she records a video showing me what she's working on, it's not the Kanban view. It's totally different, but it matches the way she thinks, and she's so efficient. It's Watching her is like watching a virtuoso at project management. And so we switch to this platform. And we do that because I want something that everyone can use. And what's also great about ClickUp is that you can create a custom view. So even though you have 10 different boards where you get tasks, you can have a view that's just all your assignments. That's just the projects you're working on. And it gives you a totally different dashboard that's custom that only you can see and allows you to manage and load balance what you're working on. I don't really use that feature yet because it's a little bit sophisticated for me, but I'm trying to work towards it. We're just continually trying to improve our processes. And that's part of the things we're working towards. Once you've chosen your project management software or your task manager software, they'll call it task manager if it's just you're working for yourself. The next thing you want to use, and in fact, I'll give you some links to tools that I like for task management if you're working as an individual, but there's so many options out there. You just want to find one where you look at it and you go, this feels like how I think. That's what you want, something that feels really good for you. The next type of software as part of the year process is time tracking. I had some employees that I hired before I was using time tracking software. I've slowly They've moved on to other teams because I need that in place so I can see what everyone's doing so I can get a view. You need to track what you're doing as we talked about last week. And as you grow, you need to track what your team is doing. The reason we do time tracking is because we are trained as a culture to be massively inefficient. Most companies reward inefficiency. Bureaucracy is built around inefficiency. Here's how it works. On a high level, if a 
government ministry or government department, depending on which country you're from, let's say they have a budget of $100 million and they only spend $93 million. Next year, their budget will be $93 million. The idiots at the top have this mindset of, if you don't spend your entire budget this year, we'll decrease your budget next year. So what does everyone do? They go on the old December spending frenzy. They'll buy desks and photocopy machines because they have to spend their budget or they'll be punished. So efficiency is punished on a financial level at the top levels. And this is throughout most corporations as well. They go, oh, you only needed 14 employees last year. Well, then now your budget's for 14. You can't have that 15th employee because you did it last year. You don't need them this year. And then on an individual scale, if you finish a task fast, what happens? What's the reward for completing an impossible task? Another impossible task. If you take a two-week project and complete it in two days, they're going to give you a three-week project and then say, okay, finish this in two days. Success is punished by poor management. This isn't always true, but this is often true that people are promoted to the level of their incompetence. If someone is excellent at job one, they'll get promoted to management of job one. If they're excellent at that job, they'll get promoted to job two. And they're, when they're managing jobs one and two, they're at this job three, they're managing the two levels below them. If they're not good at that job, that's where they'll stay. They won't get promoted another level, but they also won't get demoted. Nobody goes, hey, you know what? You were great at your last job. You're not good at this one, demotion. Even though that's the right thing to do, nobody can handle it because the people would quit. You can't push people back. So this is why people are promoted to their level of incompetence. They keep getting promoted until they don't have the ability to prove they can do the next job. And so we have companies filled with people that work in a way that's inefficient. There was a study I found that said on average, people spend six hours a day at work checking their email. That's an eight-hour workday. You're spending 75% of your time looking at email, and you probably don't need to unless your job is professional emailer. And I am a professional emailer. I don't do that. So if you're not tracking your time, there can be massive inefficiencies. There's things that you can do that are total time killers. I talk about this a lot in some of my authorship training. One of the things you can do is just turn off the internet if you're not using it. You would be amazed how many alerts you get. My phone has no active alerts. Sounds crazy. My phone rings. It doesn't make a noise. It doesn't vibrate. Unless I'm looking at the phone when it rings, I won't know. I don't get alerts on social media messages, but I bet you do. We get all of these alerts and that's okay. But when you're in your work hours, you need to start paying attention to when you lose track of time. There used to be this great idea that the panacea of the future worker would be multitasking. And so everyone would talk about, oh, I do five things at once. I do seven things at once. Turns out the multitasking was a big mistake. That's why no one talks about it anymore. Massive drops in efficiency. Lots of things would fall through the cracks. Tons of mistakes. It was a terrible, terrible idea. It turns out we do much better when we do processes in order rather than in parallel. Just the way the human brain works. So those trendy management ideas from 10 years ago, they all disappeared because they did not work. If you track your time and pay attention to what you're doing, you'll be very different. With almost every single trainer, they make you write down everything you eat or take pictures of it. If you're too lazy to write it down, what happens? Well, I don't want to eat it because now there's a record. It changes us. It forces us to stop being so inefficient. Now, eventually you can train yourself and you'll develop more and more efficient habits. When I was in high school or even younger, I could play a video game for like 14 or 18 hours straight. No problem. Now, <laughs> no way. I can't even sit down and not work for an hour straight. It's so hard for me. That's why I can't really watch movies. I can... I like a TV show because a movie is too much of a commitment. I want to get back to work. But still, the more you track the time, the more you track your output. Now, I, because of the way I work, and I want to be honest with you guys, don't track my time as much as I track my output. So I have a series of tasks I need to complete every day. And I look at that. I look at how many podcast episodes did I get recorded? How many videos did I get done? How many different tasks did I complete? So I kind of do a list of tasks to measure my efficiency simply because I'm on and off the computer and time tracking, it's not really perfect for me, but I do time tracking with everyone else on the team and it's really, really good. I just, I've been doing this for 10 years. It's hard to teach this old drug every new trick. But the sooner you start tracking your time, so then when you hire someone, you go, okay, 
So we're gonna, you can work with me, here's how we're gonna do time tracking. You know, it's not a question of trust, I time track myself. You can see my hours too. It's just good for process. Our next step is about creating SOPs. I wanna tell you every tool that I use, so every time I mention it, some of these tools that I'm an affiliate for and some I'm not, I use this tool called Clarify for my SOPs. Clarify is really simple. You push one, it's a, it makes a PDF. You push one button, it lets you take a screenshot. You can either take a screenshot of the whole screen or you can crop something out, like take a shape, and it puts a number in front of it, makes it a step. So I can just do a screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. It adds it to this uh, PDF that's totally editable inside their software, and then I can add a name for the step and sub-steps. So as I'm doing something that's visual, sometimes I'll do that inside of Clarify. I was doing that recently. I was working on, we're working on creating SOP for my blueprint level products. I love creating blueprints. I'm really passionate about those because those are my most affordable products. Unfortunately, because of the way I've built them before, it's very time intensive. Usually I write the entire blueprint inside my computer. I'm logged into the website and I'm saving it right inside Ronin School as I'm creating it. Unfortunately, I have a medical condition that means I can't do that anymore. So now what I have to do is dictate the content that goes in the course. In the course. And there's kind of a process of here's the content, here's where we need screenshots, here's where we're gonna insert podcast episodes, all that stuff. I physically can't do it on, on anymore. I was trying to do it recently. And so I was working on the SOP. I go, oh, you know what? The way we create our page templates is inefficient. All these things need to go in place. And so I was working through it with Clarify. And sometimes just by trying to record an SOP process, we can see where we can improve a process. The reason that you want to create SOPs and why we're doing this as part of our year's process is very simple. I'm constantly trying to promote my team members. Once someone masters the process, they learn it, they develop it. I, they create it into an SOP and then they can pass it on to someone else to do. This is really, really powerful way to grow your business. When you have SOPs in place, that person can move on to something new. And it means if that person quits, you don't lose what they knew how to do. Their expertise doesn't disappear from your company. More importantly, you can promote them into being a manager for someone doing that job. I have certain positions in my company that one person is doing and I'd rather have three people doing them and that person managing those three people because we could scale. And that's what we're working towards as far as our processes. But we can't do that until we have SOPs in place. An SOP is another way of talking about onboarding. It's what you will show a new hire and say, here's how to do your job. Here's the instruction manual for what you do. It's so much easier when you get an instruction manual with your new job. Believe me, I've been through a lot of jobs and the ones that say, hey, figure it out, it's very stressful because you don't know what to do and you're afraid you're gonna do it wrong. And you go through those new job jitters. Creating an SOP is a three-step process. Number one, invent a process. Everything I do, I do in my own Jonathan Serve No Master way. I write blog posts in my own way, I do my research in my own way, I do videos in my own way, I have different processes for everything, but they're me. Even though I'll go through a training course, I wanted to get better at doing 10 to 20 minute YouTube videos and I went through a really good course on it. They had their entire SOP, their process, and I said, okay, now we need to modify it to match how we operate. We need to modify it for the software you use, for the project management tools we use for our staff. We don't have the exact same experts that they have. We have slightly different positions. So we need to move some steps to person A and some steps to person B because we don't have a person C. And we have a person D, they don't have that. We need to move tasks, some tasks around. So we create our own processes that match how I record, how I operate, what my time schedule is like, what my internet schedule is like. I record during the day and I upload during the night. It's my only choice, that's when the internet works. My internet's really fast at night and really slow during the day. So the first part is inventing the process. You go, okay, here's how I'm gonna do it. Once you have that process down, then you want to go to step two, which is record that process. So step one can be where you're learning the process, where you're figuring out the process, where you're testing it and you're making sure it works. Once you have it, you go, this is what, how I want to do it every single time. And you write down your series of steps and writing down that series of steps will also often reveal things. You go, oh, you know what? I forgot about step four. The cool thing about having the step of process, the steps written down is that you can go back and add in a missing step or add steps in later. Sometimes when I'm recording the process, 
I record the video using Loom, which records it automatically uploads to their server, and then I'll download it and add to our backup server, but I can give people that Loom link right away, and it shows them exactly what I'm experiencing, so they can see it step by step, so something I might not have put down in my process using Clarify, I might have accidentally skipped a step, it gets everything. The only thing is that when you're recording a video, it keeps track of when you forget stuff or do something wrong or the mistakes. But it's really, really good to keep recording because you can say to someone, watch this. Every time I've hired an employee or brought someone on the team or tried to have someone on board and I have recordings of my process, they have a massive success. It's really easy for them. When I don't and I kind of force them to figure it out, which is a failing in me as a boss, not in them as an employee, trying to become a better boss, we have friction. The ball gets dropped and then I get frustrated and I'm tempted to blame them and then I look back and go, I didn't train them right. I didn't provide good enough SOPs. They, step, they forgot, it's not in there. There's nothing like when you're about to yell at an employee for skipping a step and you look at the SOP and it's not there. The buck stops right here when you're your own boss, as I talked about in the last episode. Our step three in this process is to replicate. So we invent a process, record a process, replicate the process. When we're replicating the process, this means you can get someone else to do it. The best example of this is if you're a one-person operation, you hire a virtual assistant. I've always failed at hiring virtual assistants. Now you know why. If you give a virtual assistant all of your processes and say, this is what I want you to do every week, follow this series of steps. You're going to go to Quora. You're going to find these questions and you're going to answer them in this way. Here's our standard answer templates and you're going to modify them. Then you're going to save them as drafts and then I'll go in and finalize them. Now I can do 10 hours of work in 45 minutes. Once you have a process and you're replicating it, you can push it down and then you can really improve your efficiency and start to make a lot more money. You can start to save a lot of money. The problem was when you hire someone, you hire a VA because you have a little bit of budget and you don't have your process mastered and recorded, then you can't replicate it to them. They're in a guest phase. You're like, oh, I hope they can do it. What I've discovered is that most VAs come with no useful knowledge. All of their experience is on processes that we don't use. They're from other companies. So we have to modify them, even if they have a lot of experience, into understanding and developing processes that match our team. So what we want to do is replicate our process so that you can then go back to step one. Let me put it this way. Let's say you're building a business and you're going through a traditional online business model. No problem with that. You're building your first site. You build out a blog and you have your whole process for how you come up with ideas, how you write posts, how you format posts. The more of that process you can get someone else to do. Now you have more free time. Now you can start doing a podcast. For this podcast, the only part that I do is the recording. I don't do the ideas anymore. I outline the episode myself, but my team will say, here's the idea. Here's the phrases we want you to say, because these are terms people are searching for right now. And once I record the audio, it goes to my video editor. He edits video and audio. And he will add in the front introduction, the commercial for the episode, the call to action, the opening and closing music. He adds in all that stuff, masters it, sends it to someone else. Someone else runs it through the transcription process and makes really good transcription. Someone else makes really beautiful show notes. Because we have a process, I don't have to do that anymore. Which means every time you have a process that you master, you can get someone else to do it for less than it would cost you. If your valuable time is $15 an hour, as we used in our previous example as part of the Be Your Own Boss series, and you get someone else to do a task in two hours that even if it took you one hour, it would cost $15 for you to do it or $10 for someone else to do it. Now you're more profitable. And when you're on a large scale team like I am, that's exactly it. I can have someone develop a bunch of processes, then I can move them into management and have them in charge of three people that are all implementing the same process they developed. So this is how you grow. I say, okay, you mastered this process. Now I want you to develop a management process. So most of what we work out on my team, most of our conversations are about improving our processes, improving our SOPs, putting in better tracking, putting in better communication. So how long should a task take? How can we do the task right? What is the line? How do we know when it's crossed the 80-20 line? Where it's good enough, even if it's not perfect. All of those things we're constantly codifying. We're constantly improving our checklists and tweaking our checklists and tweaking our language. If someone's working through a checklist and they keep running into a glitch, then I might need to change that checklist or change some of the language. And I do that a lot. 
I don't know if my company will ever reach a point where every single process we have is perfectly codified, but growth is this cycle. Even if you're working for yourself and you don't hire someone else, once you have the process mastered and recorded, then you can just keep redoing it over and over again and you just work that checklist so you don't skip any steps and it'll increase your efficiency. And it might seem like some of the things I'm talking about don't apply to you because you're early in your business cycle. That's absolutely not true. It's critical that you start your business with a plan to grow. If your plan is to be a one-person operation 10 years from now, you put a massive ceiling on how much money you can make. Hiring other people means you get to make a lot more money and it means you get to support a lot more families. You get to help them and all their families. All those people need work. We want to help that economy grow. There's lots of people out there that need jobs. Why not help them and give them jobs? If we fail to plan, we plan to fail. If you start your business and your idea is, I don't need to create anything. I don't need processes because it's always just going to be me. When you do reach a growth phase like I did, there's a reason this is my third large team. The first two failed because of me, because I didn't have processes. I didn't know this stuff. I'm teaching you what I wish I'd known 10 years ago, but what I wish I'd understood because I could have scaled so much faster. So from the beginning, you have to have a plan that you're going to grow because then these things make sense. If your idea is, hey, I'm just a beginner and I'm never going to have a big team. I'm always going to be a beginner. Then yeah, of course. Why bother doing this stuff? Because you're never going to grow. You got to start believing in yourself. And what you'll find is that when you codify processes, it's a lot easier to make that decision. Should I do this or should I have someone else do this? Because you can send someone a process and say, do this once. Tell me how long it took you. Guess what? That's one of my hiring questions. When I hire people, I'll give them a task. When I hired my SEO expert, I said, I want you to write an SEO brief, which is an article brief where you choose a topic and you say all the different things we need, whether it's articles we're going to link to from our website or other websites. What are the main keywords? What are the main search terms? How long does the article need to be? What's the main competition? And our SOP for article briefs is really complicated because we're always adding in more stuff because as you grow, the game gets more complicated. And I looked at two things. Who wrote the best SEO briefs and how long did it take them? If someone took eight hours, I was like, that's a long time because someone else did it in an hour and a half. So even if the shorter brief is a little bit worse, it's worth it because now I can get five briefs and the time it takes the other person to do one. So how long a task takes, we can't track that until we have our replication in place. And that's where real growth happens. That's why the things I'm doing are constantly changing because I'm mastering a new process. We're adding a new traffic stream or revenue stream to the company and we codify that process. That means someone else can do it and that I can stop wasting time doing a process that we have codified because I can focus on the highest value tasks. My job is to spend my time making as much money as possible. Nothing else matters. That's leadership. I'm the rainmaker. I need to bring in the high ticket clients, the high ticket partnerships, set up the really big projects get the traffic flowing and get new people finding me, getting massive guests on my show and appearing on other people's shows. That's what I need to do is use my time that's in the most valuable way, not because I'm pretentious, not because I, I think I'm the best of the best, but because I need to bring in as much money as I can so that I can pay my team as much money as I can. And that's part three, the year of process of being your own boss. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday. Are you ready to make your first dollar online? Grab my free guide, how to make $1,000 this month at servemaster.com front slash 1K.